we're talking about is the most important thing that will continue to keep the glue together of all of your coaching activities, uh, keeping you and your peers coaching each other, as well as you making coaching the language that you're using every day in every conversation. Because if you can't do this one thing that we're going to be talking about, it's going to be impossible to even engage with people and here looking for those coaching moments. So I'm going to go ahead and throw up um, my deck right here and we're going to go ahead and start it. Today, again, unfortunately, we only have an hour. So uh, what I've done is I've, I've, I've put together here really two things that we're going to be covering. Um, as you can see here, how to eliminate fear, reduce stress, impatience, stay engaged by detaching from the outcome. How do you detach from the outcome in a conversation? It almost sounds impossible, but that's exactly what I was referring to. If you can't detach from the outcome and be fully present and engaged in every conversation, you cannot coach and you cannot get the good coaching that you're looking for that people are providing you every day. So I know how difficult it is for all of us to be present, and we're going to explore that at a deeper level. And finally, it's not the last time we'll be meeting together. It's really, this is where your journey begins. And uh, as I've always said, uh, and many of you have, and I appreciate it, and I will continue to, to encourage everyone to, to lean on me as a resource. Um, you have questions, send them to me. It may take me a few extra days to respond only because I want to give it the time and the attention it deserves. Okay, so here we go. Uh, the first conversation we're going to be talking about is exactly what I referred to before. What is this last possible mindset, this last inner game that Keith is going to share with us, which is not only going to make us exceptionally better coaches, better communicators, but there's also a life lesson here. How can what we're going to be talking about today immediately improve the quality of your life? So as you can see, this is pretty important. That's why I was saying earlier, I'm raising the bar high on our last call today. So let's go ahead and start with a question. What prevents you from creating new possibilities or solutions in every conversation causes frustration and emotional reactions and gets in the way of asking better questions and being insatiably curious? Well, here's the answer. It's your attachments to the outcome. In one of our first sessions, one of the things that I shared with you is the distinction between coaching versus closing people. Closing people is when you have that mindset of, okay, what are the questions that I need to ask that will drive the person to where I want them to be? Okay, that's manipulation. Okay, remember the definition of coaching is simply the art of creating new possibilities. But when you're in a conversation, especially now when we feel more and different and unique pressures that we've all never felt before, we're trying to push to get the best outcomes we can, even coming from the best of intentions. The problem is in every conversation, and when I mean every, I'm talking personally and professionally, you are going in to every conversation with an agenda. Guess what? Every conversation you initiate, the person on the other end has an agenda as well. So how are you taking the time to suspend your agenda 
Seek to understand the other person's point of view to honor that definition of coaching, which is creating new possibilities in every conversation. So it's your attachments to the outcome that will absolutely sabotage all communication, coaching, as well as every relationship. So the solution here is great leaders detach from the outcome when communicating and give up control. Now, before you put your screen uh, blank and walk away because you're thinking, Keith, I don't know what you're talking about right now. This is so not possible to do. Hang in here with me. This is a lesson that every single person I've ever shared with comes to me and thanks me for, and I truly hope I'm going to deliver it to a point this way where you'll feel the same way. So let's talk about it. Attachments to the outcome. What's an attachment? What are we attached to? Well, we're attached to a lot of things. Now, I'm going to ask everyone here a rhetorical question. Have you ever had a conversation and at the end of the conversation, you felt absolutely drained and exhausted physically, emotionally, mentally? Of course, I've been there. That right there is a sign you had an attachment to the outcome in that conversation. So. An attachment is simply a way of trying to control the outcome, trying to manipulate the situation, trying you to guide the person to where you want them to be. That's an attachment. You're attached to that person getting it the way you want them to get it. So what are some examples of attachments? I'm going to share with you just a few right here. Number one, there are people that have an attachment. They must look good. They must be right. You may know some of these people. And I know that every time I speak to my buddy, who's an attorney, shockingly, and he loves to win a conversation that he considers, you know, conversation is a debate every time, is that he wants to be right. The only problem is when you're in a conversation where you're making people, where you're, where you're making yourself right, what are you doing to the other person? You're making them wrong. You're disempowering them. You're eroding trust. Another attachment is the need to be understood or prove our point. We must have people agree with us. A third one, well, there's the most obvious one. It's the need to control our agenda and the outcome we're seeking in that conversation, what we want to gain, what we want that other pe person to do or buy into or agree with or commit to. And finally, and this one might sound a little strange, the need to give value, need to give value. How could that be an attachment? Well, that was actually my attachment when I first started coaching almost 30 years ago is I was working with my amazing coach. And when I started building my practice, of course, I was having my coaching sessions with my coach as well. And I would call her and I would say, hey, Karen, you know, I don't know how you do it, but I'm onboarding some more clients and I'm coaching one person, and after I coach one person, I feel like I have to take a nap. I'm absolutely exhausted. How do you coach 10 to 15 to even 20 people a day? And I'll never forget what she said. She said, Keith, you're, you're attached to the outcome. And I said, what are you talking about? All I want to do in every conversation is deliver value. And her response was, you're attached to the outcome. And my coach was amazing. She had this innate ability to frustrate me and then make me work really, really hard for the answer, which means she's a pretty good coach. But think about it. I would get on a call with a client and I'm feeling I must give value. I want to give the most value that I can for this person. Well, 
Let's look at a sales relationship for a second. There's the customer and then there's the sales professional. Who is that relationship about? It's always about the customer. Okay, well, you have a coach and you have a coachee. Who is the relationship always about? The coachee. That's you taking an unconditional stand and putting your people first. So you can actually be attached to people's potential. Oh, if only they just did this, they could be a top performer. Or if only they worked a little harder, they could achieve the goals that we've set for them. Or if only they could just focus a little more because I've seen them do it. They used to be a top performer. Now they're in a bit of a slump. I know they can get out of it. I, I know what they're capable of doing. My friends, that is what I call being seduced by potential. What's missing is certainty. So we can be attached to people's potential. And that's, that's when you turn around and you see you have an underperformer on your team for 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, six months, a year, two years, because we're still waiting for that person to turn it around. Or conversely, where it was my attachment was, I so very much wanted to give value until I realized I don't determine what value is my clients do. And you will be in this situation, you mark my words right now, you will be coaching someone, could be a peer, could be a customer, could be a, a coworker, and could be your, could be your manager, uh, one of your directs, and uh, someone outside of work. And you'll just maybe ask two or three questions, maybe in 30 or 45 minutes. And I know this has happened to me countless times. And at the end of that coaching session, that person would say to me, Keith, Thank you so much. Thank you so much for that advice. Thank you so much for that guidance. I didn't give them any guidance. I didn't give them any advice. All I did was ask the right questions that allowed me to hold up the proverbial mirror for them to self-reflect and process on their own. And as many of you have shared with me, it's amazing how much more self-reflective and insightful you become when you take the thoughts out of your mind and you actually express them through words because now you're listening to yourself, your line of thinking, what you're doing, how you're doing it. And when people do that, it's inevitable. You'll hear, well, geez, now that I said that, I can't believe I was doing that. Or, well, wait a second. Now that I said that, maybe that is an assumption they're going to wind up being able to coach themselves. Why? Because you've given them, given them the space they need to decompress and process. And sometimes that's all they need. Who are we to judge what value is? Now, what's the cost to you, though, if you remain attached to the outcome? Well, certainly going to cost your relationships. It limits the ability uh, to, to deliver or create any new possibility um, or drive a, a new solution or an outcome because this is what you're doing. If you're attached to the outcome, this is you. And you're like, you know, you have your blinders on, right? And you're like this and you're looking down the road at the end of the conversation, right? You're pointing to the end of the conversation and you're saying, okay, that's where I want to be and this is where I want this person to be at the end of the conversation. That's an attachment. Well, if you're doing it, here's your next lesson on proactive intentional listening. Our first lesson on listening was suspending your assumptions because either you're assuming the facts or you're assessing them. The second lesson on proactive intentional listening is when you are focused and driven on your agenda, 
You're no longer listening. You can't notice and recognize these other coaching moments that are around you because you are driven and are no longer focused on them delivering any value, which invalidates them because you're no longer respecting their point of view. So then what's the answer, Keith? How do you detach from the outcome in a conversation? Clearly, this is very important because I know this is something I struggle with. Well, here's the answer. Become process driven. Yep. It's an inner game, everyone. There's no go do on this. This is a go be. This is the inner game of leadership. This is the inner game of coaching. This is something where we need to challenge our thinking and shift away from being so result driven to being more process driven. Because here's the thing, in every, organi every organization I worked with, and I don't often talk in absolutes, Every organization is result-driven, metrics-driven, KPI-driven, scorecard-driven, commitment-driven, sales quota-driven. Why? Because we all have results that we have to achieve. We have numbers on our back. How, by default, will we not become a victim of a result-driven culture? And that's exactly what we need to shift the pendulum. Right now, we're all the way here, so result-driven. We need to balance and become more process driven. I'm not saying, of course, abandon results. And I'm not saying abandon being result driven. Because after all, for many of you, that's what's giving you the level of success you've achieved. But to amplify that success, to exponentially get to that next level that maybe you never even thought possible, we need to change our mindset to be someone who is more process driven. So notice what I said earlier. I didn't say focusing on a process that you do, like you have an HR process, you have a sales process, you have an onboarding process. I'm not referring to those processes. I'm referring to taking the word process and transcending it beyond a strategy or something you do and into the way you think. Because if someone who is process driven, it will change the way you communicate and most important, it will change the questions you ask. So let's do a deeper dive on this for a moment. If you're result driven, notice the questions you're going to ask your salespeople. Now, what have you confirmed that's going to close this month? You do know that we have to sell more into the company than just call on HR or IT or um, you know procurement. How many outbound calls did you make to that customer? How many outbound calls did you make to that prospect to try to get into the C-suite? What's currently in your pipeline? How many calls are you making every day? How many meetings do you have scheduled? Now, is your pipeline and your forecast accurate? Are you gonna achieve your goals? How are you gonna finish at the end of this quarter? Now, before we move on, are these questions important? Of course they are. They're very important. But the problem is, Every leader out there, and this is a global conundrum, because they are so result-driven, you're only having half of a conversation. Now, notice what happens when you shift that pendulum and you're thinking to be someone who is more process-driven. You are going to start asking questions that are more process-driven questions, such as, how have you handled that before? What are the steps you're going to take to resolve this? How would you do it? What's the conversation going to sound like when you call back that customer? 
Walk me through the conversation you recently had with that customer. What are the questions that you will ask to best qualify this opportunity? Notice the different questions. Are you only focused on the result? Because focusing on the result is not going to get you the result you want. These is another, excuse me, this is another coaching paradox. The result is the process. The result is the process. You don't do the result. You execute a process to produce the result as a natural byproduct. So you don't coach the result. You coach the process. You coach the who, you coach the how, and you coach the why, not the result. The result's the result. Here it is. It's not going anywhere. Here are your goals, your commitments, what you signed up for, your, you know, your, your KPIs on your scorecard. That's set. That's not changing. Now, how are you going to get there? That's what makes the difference between a world-class leader and coach and the directive chief problem solver that we've talked about in the past. So I'm going to get really cerebral on you now. So I hope everyone had their cup of coffee this morning. And this is, again, not just a, a lesson in how to be the best leader, to be the most engaged, fully present leader, where people can see how deeply connected and how much you care. But this is a lesson in life. So if we look at the three points of time, all right, past, present, and future, all right, I'm going to make an assumption please some chat me if I'm you know wrong that we can all agree we all physically live in the present now here's my question where do we live where do we live I told you this is gonna be a cerebral self-reflective conversation I will I will challenge anyone right now I'm waiting for my phone to ring okay I'm, I'm waiting for a text or a chat Okay, tell me, and I'm going to challenge you on, on this, I'm being generous. 95% of your waking hours, you're either living in the past or you're living in the future. What's missing? Present. Well, let's break this down further here. If you're someone who lives in the past, that typically sounds like, well, gee, if only I... Then I, oh, if I only bought that stock when it first went public, oh my gosh, my portfolio would be so much bigger now. Oh, if only I made that career decision, or if I only bought that house, or maybe if I should have made that other decision in my life, oh, my life would have been so much better off than it is today. That sounds like regret. That's regret, okay? Most leaders that I know aren't living in the past. They're living in the future. Another form of regret is we've talked about this word should. Well, I should be farther along in my career. I should have more money in my retirement account. Um, I should have gotten that promotion. I should have taken that job. I should be more farther along with my coaching skills. That, again, is a make wrong. You're beating yourself up and making yourself wrong. And we also take our past experiences and we project them as a future expectation of what we don't want to happen. Perfect example. Some of you may know someone or even yourself who might be afraid of dogs. What's the story that you hear? The story is, well, Keith, when I was younger, I got bit by a dog, past experience, and I don't want that to happen again. Future negative expectation. Wait a second. There's a word for that. 
That's called fear. And what's synonymous with fear? Assumptions. That's another assumption. And our positive and negative experiences will form our beliefs and attitude. You know, what, what you focus on grows. It's the universal law out there. So this here, it sounds like living in the past. But since we're so result-driven, chances are most of us are in the future. Once I hit my quota, once I hit my goals, oh, I'll be so happy. For how long? A second? A minute? An hour? Woohoo, we did it! And then the counter resets to zero. Once I meet my soulmate, once I'm in the physical and mental shape that I want to be in, once I get that dream house or a dream car or a dream toy, then I will be happy. There's a word for that. It's called sad. Because we are now allowing external situations and results to dictate our internal condition. One of my favorite quotes is by an Arabic philosopher, Hafez, H-A-I-F-E-Z. And the quote is, I am happy before I have a reason. I am happy before I have a reason. What does it insinuate is that happiness is a choice. You know what else is a choice? Confidence. You have people on your team, and maybe you right now, that are struggling with confidence because of all the uncertainty that's in our world today. No manager on this planet has any idea how to coach confidence, let alone even thinking about the concept of coaching confidence. Why? Because what do we, what do we relate our confidence to? Results. We hit results, confidence goes up. Confidence goes up, we get better results. Uh-oh, we don't get the results. Confidence drops. Confidence drops, that's going to impact the next interaction, conversation, meeting, uh, relationship with our peers or with our customers. That is exactly the definition of a sales slump, all because everyone on this planet has the definition of confidence all wrong. Okay? The real definition of confidence is just like I shared with you. You're confident because you're confident. You choose to be confident because you choose to be confident. There's no but on the other side of that. Any but that's on the other side of that is your self-limiting beliefs that you place on yourself. But Keith, how can I be confident if I didn't achieve my goals? But Keith, how can I be confident if not if I'm not helping my team achieve theirs or my family or my, my significant other or my friends or my community? I'm not confident because I'm not achieving. No. The new definition of confidence is I am confident because I'm confident. And I have already proven my worth without the evidence to support it. Now, while I know you may love to embrace that, there might be some resistance to because of years of conditioning. But that's your choice. We talked about this being the inner game. Confidence is a choice. Okay? Hear me when I say, and I am looking all of you in the eye right now, you have already proven yourself. You have already proven yourself worth as a human being. Your job has no reflection on your self-worth. Are you hearing me? Okay? It's just a job. And I'm not saying that to diminish it. I would say that to any profession out there. It's not a reflection of our self-worth. Okay? Of course, we want to excel and do the best we can. 
but don't tie in your confidence and happiness to results. You're surrendering your personal power by choice. Let's see what else. Once I make quota, then I'll be happy. It's all conditional. It's all based on a future point. Think about your result-driven culture when you're having a conversation. Where do you think you are? You're in the future. What else lives in the future? Your outcome, your quota, your commitments, your goals, your agenda, expectations of others, and as we discussed, assumptions, fears, worry, angst. So what's missing? The present. The present. So how do you become process-driven? The answer, be present to recognize new possibilities. And again, my friends, I am so sorry. This is not a go-do. Notice it's another go-be. Be process-driven. To be process-driven, you need to be present. Being present is living in the moment because the process is in the present. Think about it. When you're executing a process, when does that happen? Past, present, or future? Happens in the moment. So let's do a quick self-assessment right now. At what point in time do these things occur? Active listening, past, present, or future? Yeah, that's right, present. Number two, creativity. When you're create, what's the definition of coaching? The art of creating new possibilities. So when do we create new possibilities? In the present. When you're working with a customer and delivering value, creating value for them, creating an experience for them, when does that happen? Seeing a theme here? When do you uncover the coaching opportunity? The present. When do breakthroughs occur? The present. At what time do you execute your processes? If you're process-driven, where do you live? The present. Now, think about what you can miss with both eyes on your future goals. That comes at a heavy cost because we all as human beings need to shift to what's now versus what's next. It's a duality. It's not one or the other. It's both. Because if you're not being present, you're not listening. As we discussed, you erode trust. You're missing coaching moments because you're so focused on your own agenda. You're going to move into those assumptions because you already, you've already guessed what the, the, the gaps are. You've already assumed what those facts are. So you're not going to ask any more questions. And it will cost you more in time, money, goal attainment, the present, what matters most. That, as well as the relationships that you have with the people in your life. So I'm looking at the time and I'm glad we have an extra couple of minutes because I'd like to share a couple of stories with you. Uh, it's really the only thing that I can do for you to really, um, oh, can you guys still see me or is my screen and me blank? Let's do that again. Okay. Uh, let's, let's go back here. Okay. Let's get a simple slide up here. Okay. Perfect. So again, the, the, this is the inner game. These are the go bees. Uh, I, re I remember, um, gosh, this was uh, probably my twins were eight and my oldest was 12. I spent the week out in California and uh, it was a Friday and I flew back um, 
and uh, took an earlier flight, got home, uh, JFK airport, probably around uh, six o'clock. Now there I was on a flight, right, six hours, totally disconnected, uh, no internet, no phone, and I land and just like every single other person on the plane, what do they do? They take out their phones, they start looking at the texts that are coming in, the emails that are coming in. What do they miss for that six hour flight? And uh, get my bags, go outside, taxi back in the day. I get into a taxi, it's raining out, I'm on my way home. Now, of course, again, I was in an, air, an airplane for six hours. So I'm on my phone and I'm, I'm going through the texts and I'm responding to the emails I missed. But here's the thing, I'm also thinking about the week that I had in California. I'm thinking about, well, I, think, I hope I made the impact that I can with those clients. I truly hope I changed some lives for the better. And then I'm thinking, wait a second, I've been away all week. Oh, geez, I have a lot to catch up on. I have those three other um, engagements that I have to start working on. Um, I have to schedule those other coaching sessions uh, because I was traveling. I didn't have an opportunity to do that. Oh, I forgot. I have that article that I have to write. Ah, that interview. So where am I, everyone? I'm in the past. I'm in the future. I am everywhere but in the present. The next thing I know, 45, 50 minutes goes by. I'm now in front of my home. Uh, the rain is beginning to subside. I grab my bags. I go uh, put them in the uh, uh, in the garage. I go inside. Uh, my family's there. My wife is there. Uh, my kids come and give me a big hug and a kiss. And of course, my wife comes and gives me a big hug and a kiss. And uh, she says, "Listen, you got home a little early. Why don't we, you know, go out for dinner?" And I said, "Great. Let me just you know clean up and um, we'll go ahead. Get ready." Uh, so uh, changed my clothes, washed up, and now we're in the truck. We're driving to my children's favorite restaurant. My children have severe peanut and tree nut allergies, so it makes it a little difficult finding that restaurant, but but we have that. So we're driving there to our favorite restaurant, and the rain is beginning to subside. I'm with the four most important people in my life. I'm with my wife and my three remarkable children. And I am not with them. I'm in my head. I'm thinking about what happened last week. I'm thinking about what I have to do this week. I'm everywhere but with my family. And we're getting closer to the to the restaurant. And uh, all of a sudden, my, my son, Jet, he looks out the window and he says, Daddy, Daddy, look out the window. Uh, there's a rainbow. Just like that. My son snapped me right back into the moment. You know, children have this incredible ability to be present. Everything is new and exciting for them until we get older, until we get hardened by experiences, until we take things for what we perceive as how they are and cannot change. But in a child's eyes, everything is new. In a child's eyes, everything is magnificent because they're so good at being present. But as adults, because we fail to be present, we step over those miracles, the magnificence that life offers us every single day, even today. So once my son brought uh, this rainbow to my attention, my kids are my best teachers, my best coaches, we started having a really silly conversation about the rainbow. Hey guys, how many colors do you see there? And where do you think it starts and where do you think it ends? And do you think there's a leprechaun at the at the end of the rainbow? And of course, my my youngest daughter, who's you know the, the toughest nails, she's like, Dad, I hope you don't think that 
the rainbow's a man, and you know, the leprechaun's a man, because maybe, maybe the leprechaun's a woman, and 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 maybe maybe they're not green, maybe they're a different color, and maybe they're not tall or small, maybe they're something else, and maybe there's something else in the pot of gold. And we're having this very silly conversation. The point is, I was present with my family. Being present is difficult. And I'll, and I'll share with you another quick parable um, before we move on. There was uh, a young man who um, he wanted to become the most famous martial artist. So uh, he sought out a sensei, uh, a master, and he found this master. And he said to this master, I want to become the most famous martial artist in the land. How long must I study? And the master said, 10 years. And the young man said, well, what if I, what if I practice day and night? And the master said, 20 years. And the young man said, well, what if I work harder than all of your other students? And the master said, 30 years. Well, now the young man, he's frustrated and he's impatient with this master. And, and he says to the master, I don't understand something. Every time I tell you I'm going to work harder to achieve the end result that I seek, you're telling me it's going to take longer. Why? Well, the master smiled and he said, because when you have both eyes on your destination, you have no eyes left to find your way. You see, focusing on the result doesn't make the result manifest any faster. And if you want to do a quick test, let's do it right now. I'm holding your commitments and what you signed up for in my hand, your goals, your results, your KPI scorecard. It's all right in here. Let's see if by focusing on the result, okay, not using a green screen, no magic here. Let's see if by focusing on this, it's going to make your goals manifest any faster. Here we go. You ready? Anything? Nothing. Wow. So you mean you could run around and remind your people of their results and KPIs and commitments and the performance that they need to maintain? And... It doesn't do anything. You know what that is? It's annoying. It's annoying because we don't like it when people do it to us. And then we do the same thing to our direct reports. It doesn't add any value whatsoever. We need to coach the process. So I want to share with you, uh, just bring this conversation back and bringing it home. And as I promised, uh, I want to make sure I share with you a one other tip that we wrap up with some uh, go-dos and action steps and hopefully have a couple of uh, minutes for open Q&A. So just getting back to the slide, I want, I, want you to sh I want you to see that I never said I'm abandoning your goals and I never said you, um, you can only be present. So choose, either be present or live in the future. No, this is a duality. These are two conflicting truths that coexist at the same time. It's being mindful of the future. Those are your goals, your dreams, your vision, while being engaged in the moment. So whether you're playing a sport or running a race, of course you're mindful of winning, but it's your form that gets you there. You know, and, and, and not to be, uh, not to get on a morbid subject, but you know, it, people that live in hospices have, have been interviewed, literally people that are on their deathbed. And uh, over and over again, it's, 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 it's the same response to this question of, if you could change anything in your life, what would you do differently? And no one has ever said, I wish I spent another day in the office. 
they always say, I wish I spent more time with the people I love. I wish I spent more time with my family and my friends and my children. I wish I did more of the things that brought me joy. Life is so short. Life is so precious. And before you know it, you turn around. And we don't have a practice life. This is it. So as you can see, this is not just a lesson on coaching. This is a lesson on life. And I truly hope that what we've talked about gives you a different perspective so that you can be present, so that you can focus on the joys and the miracles that you wake up right around you. Not always focusing on what's next, because if you're always focused on what's next, when do you get to ever celebrate your life? That's every day.